Hey, I wanna welcome you to our online service here at New Life. I am so glad that you've come to be a part of this together. And I hope through this time, you'll experience God's presence, God's grace, and God's hope. On this first weekend of the month, we set aside a time for communion. And during our worship, we're going to pause and do that. So now would be a great time to get some bread ready, to get a cup ready so that you can be prepared when that time comes. But right now, I'm going to invite Cody and the team to come and to lead us in worship.
remain still. Call the sea to still, rage in me to still every way. At your name, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Silence fear, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus, oh. We call these bones to live, call these lungs to sing once again.
Well, hey, New Life family, thank you so much for joining us uh, again on the first Sunday of the month, which traditionally for New Life is when we gather together for communion. And Pastor Dave, I was uh, thinking about that whole word communion and what that word really means and was thinking about the, the, the actual dinner that Jesus was sitting down with his disciples. Uh, it wasn't communion. Uh, they were having their traditional Passover feast that they had every year. And so it was at the end of this dinner that Christ did this. And so 2,000 years later, we're still carrying on uh, uh, this, this tradition of what we have named communion because of what that means. And so we've had some people reach out to us and say, is it really communion if we do it from home, if we do it from a distance? And the answer is absolutely yes, because we can't be so, together. Some even asking, is it okay? Yeah. Is it okay for me to do this in my own home? <laughs> right, and, right. Yeah. And even some of the elements are saying, you know, what if I don't have this? What if I don't have the exact bread? What if, what if I don't have juice or wine or whatever? And so we're saying just if, it, if it's a cracker, if it's a wafer, if it, any type of bread or whatever, uh, we want you to feel the freedom in that and not be just enslaved in these rituals and religion. And, and I think that's what Jesus was doing. It just so happened that they used bread and wine because they had bread and wine at every meal. Yeah. And so here they are at the Passover feast. And, uh, and then that's when Jesus uh, picked up the elements and, and, and did what he did. And it's so powerful because he, he shifted the meaning of those within a Seder meal, the Passover feast, the, the bread and the cup represented uh, specific things in the journey of Israel out of slavery in Egypt to, to freedom. And he took and he, he, he gave them new life mm. and new meaning really about the bread and uh, his body being broken and the cup and his blood being shed. And he really turned the tables on all that. And here again, we are 2000 years later and these have such rich uh, depth and meaning for us as we connect with Christ through this. Yeah, yeah. So uh, those of you who are at home, go ahead and take the elements uh, that you chose to use for our communion. And one of the last things I wanted to say is you know, when it comes to the whole word communion, it, it, that word means community. And so we've had people say, well, we're not together with faith family inside of a building or inside of the same home. So does, it, does that matter? Does it count? The answer is yes. Okay, we're free. Okay, that Christ brought freedom to us. And so whatever element that you have, you may not be in community with each other as, as our faith family, but you're still part of our family. We're yeah. still all part of the family and we're communing with God. So whatever element that you're gonna use for, for his body, let's just pray over that right now. Father, thank you that 2000 years ago, you allowed your body to be broken for our sicknesses and our diseases. Thank you, Lord, for allowing that to happen. Lord, you voluntarily laid on that post to be whipped and beaten, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and take a piece of that. I want you to go ahead and take the cup. And as we remember Christ's sacrifice and his blood poured out for our forgiveness mm -hmm. to wash us clean, the Bible says, what a, what a powerful reminder. And in the midst of a season that is so crazy and uh, a time where we often are, are stressed and anxious, this is a moment when we take a deep breath and we rest in the provision of Christ and his work for us. So as Jesus gathered with his followers, he took the cup and he blessed it and said, this is the blood of a new covenant. Uh, his blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Let's drink together. Will you pray with me one last time? Father, thank you for this new covenant, Lord, that we have been engrafted into. You truly are the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, and we love you. We thank you, Lord, for inviting us to be part of your family. We thank you for our faith family who is watching right now, who just took these elements as well with us. Father, we really are in community, and we really do commune with you. We love you. We pray you'll bless the rest of uh, the service that we're going to be bringing, the songs and, and the message, Lord, we just pray that people will find a deeper meaning and understanding of who you are in their life. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for, thanks for entering into this moment. And as we've said, we, we get questions about it, but wherever you are, in your home, uh, some of you maybe even in your bedroom right now watching this, wherever it is in your environment, I, 
I hope that you'll know that Christ is with us. Mm. And this is the picture, again, of, of us in community together, but also for us in union with Christ. So uh, we're going to do one more song. We're going to have Cody and the team come back and lead us in just one last song of worship.
Lord, thank you that in the middle of what feels like chaos, confusion, maybe some fear, God, regardless of all that, you haven't forgotten about us. You're not distant. You're not far away from us. And Lord, I'm so thankful that we don't have to come into a church building to be near you. Lord, I'm excited to be able to come back with my family to this church as a congregation under one roof worshiping you. But God, I'm also so thankful that you meet us right where we're at. Whether we're in the car listening to this, we're in our living room sitting on our couch with our family, or even sitting in our bed just watching this and worshiping. God, regardless of where we are, you're right here. You're in this room. You're in the rooms of everyone watching. So Lord, as we continue in this in this service, help us to stay focused on you, to be aware of your presence. Lord, to grow in a deeper understanding of who you are. Father, we love you. We thank you. Pray this in your name. Amen. Well, hey, thank you for joining us for worship. Stay tuned for the message. Thank you, Cody and Maddie and Michael for leading us today in worship. And that last song uses a word that we're, we're not really, we're familiar with in church, but it's not a word we really use all the time, but that word Hosanna. And it, it literally means save me, rescue me. And when that was shouted out to Jesus, it was this recognition that he was the one who came to give us life and hope to truly save us and rescue us. And I think in a day and age when so much is going on, so much is chaotic, so much that brings fear, we can truly cry out to God, Hosanna, save us and rescue us. Well, as we begin, I want you to get your phones out. This is our opportunity to reach outside of our four walls, whatever those look like for you right now in your home or in your car. Uh, but I want you to go ahead right now and just text someone uh, just a note of encouragement that you're praying for them, uh, that you're thinking about them. So go ahead and do that right now as I share with you a few more things that are, that are coming up. Uh, we encourage you every week to go to our website and see the resources that are there. You can get uh, notes for this message right here that you can fill in, as well as things for kids and families, for students, uh, a chance to be a part of a, a regular devotion that we're reading through, as well as getting help and giving help. So all kinds of things there. Also, I want to encourage you to text the word prayers to 30500. Uh, it's a chance for uh, us just to pray with you with what's going on in your life. Uh, we take those every single week, every single day, really, and pray for the things that concern you. So make sure to text us those prayer requests. You can also share with us good things that are going on as well. In fact, on our website, there's a button that says share your good news story. And we're collecting those right now. And this week, we're going to start putting those out to give us... Uh, all an opportunity to be encouraged by the good things that God is doing right in the midst of this season that is so challenging for us. So make sure you find that on our website. Uh, the other part is if you were part of a live service with us, this would be the moment where we pause and we receive uh, an offering together. And we can't do that, obviously, when we're uh, doing all this online, but you can go to our website, click on Give. You can do it on our app as well. And uh, thank you so much for your faithfulness uh, in giving. You know, I read a quote this week from Jim Carrey, the actor, uh, kind of a goofy guy, tends to do a lot of comedies. Uh, but he said this, he said, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so that they can see that it's not the answer. Pretty profound from uh, a comedian, but really this realization from someone who uh, in a lot of ways has it all can do pretty much anything he wants and yet has realized that it's not all that it's cracked up to be. And the Bible tells us that over and over, that there's more to life than just the things that we have. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, it says to keep our lives free 
from, uh, from just loving money and resources and things because it goes on to say that God has us, that he is faithful. So here's what's so powerful when we give back to God. When we do that, we're reminding ourselves that money and resources and things isn't everything, but that God is our everything, that he is our all. So I hope as you make that choice to, to respond in generosity and giving, that it would be with that heart of saying, God, you are my everything. You are my provider, and I choose to give to you. You can also send your, uh, your donations in to uh, P.O. Box 782. Uh, but however you choose to do it, I hope and pray that your heart is one of thankfulness back to God. One last thing before we jump into the message. Uh, this is a little bit of a pre-warning for you. Uh, but next weekend is Mother's Day. So be thinking about that, what that looks like in your family, in, in your life. But here's what we're going to be doing uh, around new life. Uh, throughout the week in our social media, we are going to be giving away uh, some gift cards to uh, moms and women that are a part of our church family. So follow us from Monday all the way through Saturday. Uh, we're going to have a post every single day and just some, just some fun with that and a chance to celebrate uh, and also, we're going to be collecting short little videos. You can read about it online, read about it in our social media. We'd love for you to take a picture with a sign or, uh, again, shoot a quick little video uh, that would allow us to celebrate the mom in your life or the women who have been uh, impactful to you. So be looking for that uh, throughout, throughout the week. Well, right now, I want you to get your Bibles out and turn to the book of Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to dive into this brand new series called What the World Needs Now. Now, as I said that, some of you were already singing along with me going, I know that song. Now, this is a song that really divides generations. So if you're younger, you're thinking, I've never heard that song in my life. If you're older, you were, again, already mouthing the words. And so wherever you are, I want you to finish this for me, okay? So if you've got kids in your home, they're going to be looking at you going like, you actually know this song? But finish it with me. It goes like this. What the world needs now is... I can hear you right through the camera. I mean, just full voice singing that thing. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. And if, here's the thing. That song came out, you ready for this? In the 60s, when dinosaurs still roamed the earth. I mean, that song is so old, yet we've probably heard it a thousand times. But back a few weeks ago, we were talking in our team and praying through what our next series would be, especially in light of the world that we're living in right now, what's happening in our communities, in our country, with COVID-19. And we realized that during fearful, chaotic, and uncertain times, people are looking for something. They're looking for something real, looking for something authentic, looking for something that lasts, that isn't just going to be here today and gone tomorrow. Now, we know that the world doesn't simply need another song. And the world doesn't just simply need uh, another nice idea or an inspirational statement. Because what the world actually needs is hope. Hope that gets us through not just this moment to the next one, but hope everlasting. But here's the thing, people are looking for even more than that. The world actually needs God's work in us, in me, and in you to be coming through in every Zoom meeting that we have, and every phone call, and every act of kindness. Really, in every interaction that we have, whether it's online or in person, our world is craving something real and deep and lasting. So what is this work that God is doing us? In, in the Bible, it's referred to as the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, it's the tangible results of God's work in us. Fruit is, is just kind of a metaphor for this. And of course, we live in an agricultural area. So we're familiar with fruit and crops and things like that. And this is really saying that, that God is going to begin to grow specific characteristics even we would say behaviors in us that are a result of his spirit's power and work within us. So in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, here's what Paul writes. He says, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then he says, there's no law against these things. Now, if you were to read back through this entire letter to the Galatians that, that Paul wrote, you would read in this his, his absolute frustration. In fact, in the book of Galatians, he is the most frustrated you will ever read him in other scripture. But you will also read his deep love for this community of, of faith. Because after tasting of God's freedom and God's grace, they were walking back into this prison of religion and rituals and rules all over again. And Paul is, is so frustrated by this because he knows that God has created them for something more, that God has given them life, and yet they've chosen to, to be trapped all over again in striving and trying to make their own way. And so in this letter at this point, he actually says these words. He says, who cast a spell on you? Who, who cut in on you? We would maybe put it this way. He's saying, what in the world are you doing? He says, God wants you, not your, not your rule obeying. He wants you. And he tells them, Jesus went to the cross. Jesus hung there and paid the price so that we can be free. And so he tells them, make sure that you stay free. Make sure you continue to live in that freedom. He says he's given you his spirit so that you can be the person he's designed and created you to be. Now, Paul kind of walks them through all that, calling them back to this place of freedom and joy and grace. And then he, he says, and, and here's how it's going to look as you live that out. And he shares with them this fruit, this work of God in them of the Spirit. And he talks about love and joy and patience and peace and kindness. Now, I don't know about you, but I want that. And I know it's easy to read qualities like that and think it sounds pretty soft, but the truth is things like love and patience and faithfulness and self-control, those are bold, courageous moves to live that way, to, to have your life be characterized by those things. And you know what else? The world, the people around you and me, they're hungry for something like that. Hungry for someone to, to live and to show those kinds of qualities. Because what the world needs now is love and joy and peace and on and on. But I know it seems impossible to be able to live like that, to be able to accomplish something like that. So over these next weeks, we're going to dive into each one of these nine characteristics. And we're going to take it out and we're going to look at it. We're going to hold it. We're going to kind of look at a different perspective on it. And we're going to see how God can produce this good fruit in us, in me, and in you. And how we in turn can then impact the very world that we live in. So write this down for number one. God wants his fruit to be growing in me. Now, I want you to go there again to Galatians chapter 5 and look at verse 22 and 23 because I want to show you something that's important. Paul says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of what? Fruit. It's not plural. He doesn't say he's going to produce these kinds of fruit. He talks about fruit. One fruit that has different flavors and characteristics to it. So here's an example. Have, have, you ever, have you ever had a Dr. Pepper? I know it's a controversial drink. You either love Dr. Pepper or you hate Dr. Pepper. Uh, but if you look at the label, literally, if you have one in your house, go grab it right now, and on the label, it'll say this, authentic blend of 23 flavors. One drink, Dr. Pepper, made up of 23 different flavors, just like the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I'm not trying to compare those things, so don't get upset, but it's, it's a similar kind of, of look. One fruit, nine flavors. One, one life, nine characteristics. And what it's saying is that the Holy Spirit wants to grow and strengthen all of those nine qualities in every one of us. It, it's, not, it's not that the Spirit is is saying, okay, you get love and you get joy and, and you get peace. That's not how it works. We, we don't even get to say, well, your, your fruit is loving, but, but that's not me. I'm, I'm a self-control guy. Nope, that, that's not how it works. There's no picking and choosing here. Uh, a few months ago, a friend of mine took me to the Mongolian barbecue. If you've ever been there, 
great place. But you walk through and you, you pick all these different things. I want a little bit more of that. I want a little bit more of that. I want that. That's not how it works with the fruit of the Spirit. I can't choose to say that I, I want to stay impatient and I want to stay rude rather than having patience and kindness take root in my life. I can't just say, well, I'm going to keep walking in this sin or keep giving in these temptations rather than allowing self-control to grow in my life. So this one fruit with nine flavors shows us that the Holy Spirit has a purpose and a plan for us beyond what we can see right here and right now in this moment. Even during this time of physical distancing, even during this time where we're sheltering at home, and I know it's hard. It's hard for all of us. It challenges all of us in different ways. It's, it's maybe brought to the surface during this time some areas in your life that are a struggle. Maybe some things that are challenging you when you have suddenly had to disengage from what we have considered normal life. And I know it's done that in my life, but maybe the Holy Spirit wants to use this very season. Maybe the Holy Spirit wants to use this particular time that has been so challenging to grow and nurture his fruit in us. Now, I know for me, when it comes to my salvation and my faith, uh, it goes way beyond just a ticket to heaven. It goes beyond past just being, you know, a, a nice guy. When the Holy Spirit's work of revealing Christ uh, in us gets to that point where, where we just simply say yes to Jesus. I surrender to you. I trust you. I commit my heart, my life to you. It's in those moments that the Holy Spirit really takes root, kind of sets up camp in our lives and prepares us for this long haul, this, this long work that God continues to do in us. Write this down for number two. God's love is the foundation. See, when we're, we're talking about this fruit, the very first one is a clue that love becomes the foundation for all the rest of these to exist. Now, around here, we talk a lot about knowing God's love and experiencing his love that is bigger and wider and longer and taller and deeper than anything that we can even comprehend. And the Bible tells us that we can't get away from God's love and that we can't hide from it and we can't push it away. We can't extinguish it, that God is love and his love is aimed squarely at me and at you. But he also wants us to live that love out to not just experience it and take it in, but to have it show the world something. Because what the world needs now, more than ever, is love. So what is love? Well, we have a lot of ideas about it. Um, is love a feeling? Yeah, it actually is. But it's also more than just a feeling. Is it an emotion? Yeah, but it's, it's more than just an emotion. It's more than just lyrics to a song. It's more than just talk. It's more than what our culture tells us that it's often just sex. The Greek language actually had four words to express different kinds and kind of arenas of love. But the one the Bible uses over and over again is this word agape. Agape love. It's an unconditional giving, sacrificial love. It's a, it's a commitment to to act and to respond, to feel deeply, and out of that, to do something. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I know you've heard this passage before. It's often called the love chapter. Uh, it's often read at weddings. I know I've read it hundreds and hundreds of times. But I want to read it to you one more time, and I want you to catch what Paul is expressing to us about this, this agape love. He says this, If I could speak in any language in heaven or on earth, but I didn't love others. I would only be making meaningless noise like a loud gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I knew all the mysteries of the future and knew everything about everything, but didn't love others, what good would I be? And if I had the gift of faith so that I could speak to a mountain and make it move without love, it would be no good to anybody. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, that would be of no value whatsoever. Then listen to this. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable and it keeps no record of wrongs. Uh, 
It is never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Love will last forever. Man, what a, what a powerful, all-encompassing look at what love is, but also what love can be. And so I want to just kind of pull a few things out, and they're on your sheet, and I want you to fill these blanks in that kind of round out this picture of the Holy Spirit creating this fruit of love in us. The first is this, is that love is humble. Love is humble. See, love has always been about what we give and how we serve, not just about what we give back. It is, it is putting your needs uh, above, above my own. Philippians 2, Paul wrote this, Then make me truly happy by loving one another. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves. And then in Romans 5, uh, Paul talks about how love sacrifices. Go ahead and write that down. Love sacrifices. And here's what he writes. He says, but God showed us his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God, God showed us, he was the living example of this, that he sacrificed and gave what was so near and precious, his own son, for something greater. Then in James, uh, James speaks these powerful words about how love gives. Go ahead and write that down. Love gives. James says this, suppose you see a brother or sister who needs food or clothing and you say, well, goodbye, God bless you, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. James says, what good does that do? It, it's like we have the idea, we have the, the good loving thoughts, uh, maybe even a, a warm feeling around that, but it's not accompanied by the action part that, that kind of brings love to, to full bloom in that. I, I think right around here of, uh, of a young woman named Bertoni. Uh, she's part of our church family, and she actually works with our student ministry, has a small group of girls. Maybe you've seen her. She's been in the news. Uh, their group has been in the newspaper. Actually, a couple weeks ago, they were on a national telecast because this group of girls, they have decided to take orders uh, from those who can't leave their homes, who can't get groceries, and they go out and do the shopping, drop it off. They're, you know, following all of the guidelines and safety and sanitary, social distancing, all those things. But they're finding ways to give love. I think of our, our food pantry here on the Turlock campus and the Church Without Walls in Patterson, who, who over and over again find ways to give and to make a difference. So when they see someone who, who needs food, they're, they're not just saying, hey, be well-fed, but they're giving food. And your generosity is, is a part of that, making it happen. Then Paul uh, writes in Romans 12 about how love is authentic. No games, no pretend, imperfect, but real. He says this, don't just pretend that you love others, but really love them. Hate what is wrong, stand on the side of good. And then finally, Paul writes in this 1 Corinthians 13 about how love is steadfast, steadfast. He says, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. And every time I hear about steadfast, I'm reminded of my, uh, my grandpa because my grandma used to say he was so stubborn and he would say, I'm not stubborn, I'm steadfast which was a nice Bible word of saying that. But it just literally means I'm not going anywhere. I'm holding on. Okay, so if you're like me, you maybe wrote down this list, you read the Bible verses, and you go, that is fantastic. Thank you for sharing that, Dave. I've just got one big problem. I can't love like that. I'm just not that good. I just don't have it together like that. Maybe you would look through those words and go, you know, my love is definitely not very humble sometimes. And I really don't like to sacrifice, especially when I see people who don't deserve it. And I don't like to give when I feel like I'm being taken advantage of or, or just taken for granted. And I definitely know that I'm faking it sometimes. So there goes the whole authenticity thing. And love being steadfast? Dave, sometimes I just wanna throw in the towel because I can't endure through every circumstance. And so maybe you're thinking, that sounds really great, but how do I get there? How do I, how do I take the next step? Well, I think we're probably all in the same boat. 
because I like the concept of love, but I know that I can't always follow through. And if that's where we're all at, can I just tell you that's the best place to be? That's actually where God wants us to be because we've come to the end of our own efforts. We've come to the end of our own control. We've come to a screeching halt with our own striving and making it happen, like trying to work hard enough to produce fruit. Trees don't strain. Trees aren't trying to produce fruit. It, it comes naturally. And you're thinking, well, it doesn't come naturally for me. Exactly. Because this is about what God can produce in you and in me. This is about what the Holy Spirit is growing in us. It's us being open to his spirit at work, a daily surrender of our will and a desire for his will. It's not a single decision. It's a daily, moment by moment, uh, praying like Jesus, not my will, God, but, but yours. That's this journey. Write this down for the last one. I choose to say yes to God's work in me. I choose to say yes to God's work in me. Now, that verse we read in Galatians chapter 5, I hope you're still there where it lists that fruit of the Spirit. The very next uh, several verses, starting in verse 24, Paul writes this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. If we are living now by the Holy Spirit, let us follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or irritate one another or be jealous of one another. This is really about us cultivating the soil of our souls so that God's work can take root in us. This is growing and deepening our relationship with Christ. How do we do that? Well, through his word and through prayer and through worship and through fasting. Now, we're not earning it, but we're we're kind of tilling up the ground of our own heart and soul so that he can plant those good things in us. In fact, last fall, we did a series called Rooted, and I would encourage you, if you missed that or if you've forgotten about it, go back and watch some of those. We talk about what it really means to dig into God's word. What is prayer really all about? What is fasting all about? What does connection to other believers look like? And that kind of growth, that kind of depth, having our roots grow down like that, it takes time. In fact, I will tell you this, it takes a lifetime, a lifetime, a lifetime of walking moment by moment with him. Our struggle, my struggle, your struggle, is that we wanna microwave this fruit. We wanna hit a few buttons and say, I wanna be patient now. Uh, I, I wanna be loving now. I, I, I wanna be faithful now. We want those things to happen. And this may be hard to hear, but right now in this moment, if you're in your home or wherever you're at, I want you just to look, put everything down. I want you to look and I want you to hear this right now. Because the deepest, most transforming things that happen in us come through time and pain and conflict and challenge. Let me say that one more time. The deepest, most transforming things in life, and you know this to be true, comes through time, through pain, through conflict and through challenge. And God's growing love in you is gonna come through situations where you don't feel very loving. It's gonna come when someone is unlovable to you, but you choose to let his spirit grow that love for that person in you. I love how Paul challenges them in this lifelong process and challenges us to let us not become conceited or irritate one another or be jealous of one another. What's he saying? He's saying it's going to be really easy to look at someone else and go, oh, I'm not like them, and to be jealous of them. Or to look at someone who's further, uh, or you're further down the road, and, and you're going to be judgmental about them or pointed out or become conceited. And you know what Paul would say to us in all that? He says, stop it. Don't do that. Look to your own orchard and make your soil a place for God to do a good work and then relax, take a breath, and let him grow his fruit. Here's what Jesus said about trusting and partnering with him in this work of the soul. In Matthew 11, Jesus said, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? By the way, that's what happens when we strive and strive and push. He says, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. So walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. 
He says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You know, as you walk with Jesus in these unforced rhythms of grace, as you allow his spirit to grow this fruit, this love in you, I guarantee you will find yourself in situations and conversations with people who are craving something real like that, craving something deep like that. Because what the world needs now is Jesus in you living in love. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much that you haven't left us unprepared and ill-suited. You haven't left us in this place of wondering how in the world do we do we even do this? But Lord, we see in your word that you've given us your spirit and you desire to grow and nurture and bring this fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. You, you desire that to, to grow and mature in us. So we thank you for that. And I pray, Lord, that in these situations we're in, that you would till up sometimes those hard places in our heart and soul so that your characteristics, your fruit, can be evident in us. Because, Lord, I know that the people around us, they need to see it. So we thank you and we love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's my challenge to you this week. Go back to that list of what love is. Because I believe that God is going to invite you into situations this week where, where if you will allow him, he will bring you into those that you can love someone humbly, sacrificially, authentically. So keep your eyes open for the opportunity for his fruit to be on display. So as we close, live in the light of God's son. Be an ambassador of his goodness and his kindness and his grace in every conversation, in every situation. And let the Holy Spirit's love flow through you. God bless.